Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Coffee chat with Camille is the name of the show. Sorry, I'm trying to get comfortable in case you're all that squeaky and stuff. And my new chair. Um, today, our special guest is How to Find. Our, sorry, our, the name of our show is How to Find Enlightenment. Um, our special guest is Chancellor Jackson. And who is he? Well, Chancellor K. Jackson was born in Fulton County, Georgia, to Native American parents, grew up in Smyrna, Georgia, and attended Stetson University. For nine years, he played football at a high school and collegiate and at a collegiate levels. After graduating with a bachelor's degree in communication and media studies, Chancellor lived abroad in China from 2018 to 2019. Chancellor fell into writing after his traumatic experience of being arrested and detained in Beijing for 14 days. His first book, 14 Days in Beijing, was ranked number one over 15 times on Amazon in multiple genres. Chancellor has also released a romance saga about a man's first step towards gaining emotional intelligence titled You Love and You Learn and Real Love Never Dies from that is now available on Amazon and we have the links in our description okay of the show. Let me allow our author in right now. Chancellor's coming right now. Hello, Chancellor. Hello, hello. Hi, how are you? What's going on? What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm so honored to have you on the show. And uh, last time we had like a little hiccup, but it looks like we've finally connected and we can go ahead and um, start in uh, introducing our audience to you. Or this is like my job, as you well know. My first question to you is... What does your book titled 14 Days in Beijing mean to you? Um, so pretty much it's just, it's literally, you know what I'm saying, exactly what it's, it's saying. It's my 14 days in Beijing. So it's about my last 14 days in Beijing. So I was actually in Beijing for a total of six months prior, yes. before I got locked up. Um, so 14 days in Beijing is all about my last 14 days in China. So what took place previous to those 14 days and then what took place after those 14 days, you won't never yes. know, but you will know what took place <laughs> all within those extreme 14 days, I mean, just those final 14 days. Um, and that's what yes. uh, that's what makes the story what it is. You know what I mean? It's, yes. And you think about, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the cover, and like you look at the cover, you, you know what I'm saying, you see I got the mask on. Um, and then yes. automatically you think of COVID and, you know, COVID took place in China before, you know what I'm saying, spread across the world. And then if you do catch COVID, mm-hmm. at least back when it first popped off, what you had to do, you had to quarantine for how long? 14 days. So it's just, it's just crazy how full circle <laughs> everything yeah. came just like man, <laughs> a couple of weeks after me just dropping the book. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it, it was universal for sure. Yes. And then, um, 
I did have a, a cup, uh, another question. Did you know Mandarin prior to teaching? So I learned, I took it upon myself to start learning a little bit of the language because I didn't want to be out there yes. and not know none of it. I felt that yes. would be foolish. <laughs> so yes. uh, I started learning a little bit through an app called Mango. And I knew just enough to work my one and move and groove. Now, as far as having a full in-depth conversation with somebody, yeah, it's not happening. But I can, you know what I'm saying, maneuver and work my one by myself just with, you know what I'm saying, what I was able to learn. And then, of course, technology can help fill in the blanks uh, wherever else, you know what I'm saying, I might be lacking. So. Yes. And then what inspired you to write 14 Days in Beijing? I knew I wanted to do something with the story. I ain't go through it for no reason. Um, of course, yes. I, I, mean, I went through for a reason. You know what I'm saying? I made a choice, and that was the repercussions from that choice. But I knew it was still bigger than just me just slipping up and falling on my face. It was bigger than just that. And so yes. I knew I was supposed to do something with the story and share it with the world. I just ain't had mm-hmm. no clue how. And um, one of my good friends that I grew up with, he was a published author before we graduated high school in 2014. So he was like, hey, bro, you should write a book about the experience. And I was just like, Psh. it was like a big-ass light bulb, you know what I'm saying, popped up above my head. I was like, wow, that is a great idea. I don't even know <laughs> where to start, but that's yeah. a great idea. Um, I took it a step further and um, went into my notes, um, note section on my phone, and left me a five-letter outline, very brief, opening scene, following mm-hmm. scene, climax following scene, closing. You know what I'm saying? It was simple like that. And I just started filling it in. With me filling it in, I caught a flow for how I wanted to go about writing the story. So yeah. I moved it from notes on my phone to a Google Doc so I could type it up on the laptop. Four okay. months later, the story was written, and then another six months just getting it ready for publishing. Okay, wonderful. And then what does your book mean to you? I mean, it's pretty much once football came to an end for me in November 2017, I was at a crossroad. Yeah. As far as just like, all right, Chance, you've identified and embodied a student athlete and a football player for the longest, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? as long as you could. And now it's your senior year of college is finally coming to an end. Mm. What's next? Who are you? Yes. Uh, who do you aspire to be? What do you aspire to be? What do you want out of life? What do you even like to do? What else are you good at? <laughs> what is your purpose? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm, I couldn't answer any of these questions. I'm just like, wow, I got a lot of work to do. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I, But with me having no clue what it is that I wanted to pursue next, I knew I needed to just start somewhere. And with that being said, I'm just going to have to try a bunch of stuff until I figure it out what I did enjoy doing and what I didn't enjoy doing, you know what I mean? So um, mm-hmm. yeah. I just started applying for jobs and, you know what I'm saying, that process, I'm landing interviews, getting flown out, that whole nine. And, but I couldn't land a single landing position, and they kept hitting, all these companies kept hitting me with the same BS excuse. Oh, it's the experience, man. You lack the experience. Like, that that was the only thing. The only thing you lack is the experience. It was like, yeah, I knew that before when I submitted the resume. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, yeah, you read my resume. You knew I ain't had no experience. But anyway, whatever you say. Um, yes. So I just went through this whole process of just trying to trial and error, trying to find a, a job. 
I done graduated mm-hmm. from college. I'm back home. Like, dang, bro, I done did everything the quote-unquote textbook way, and I still got the short end of the stick. Like, what's going on, bro? Yeah. Man, it's just like something got to shake. But I knew that everybody that told me no, it was a no for a reason, and that, that it was something else better in store for me. So mm-hmm. I knew I just needed to stay resilient, keep uh, pushing, and probably – Let's switch up your job searching process, bro. Clearly, corporate might not be for you. <laughs> That's evident. You've been yeah. at it for months now, and ain't nobody rocked with you yet. So with me just taking a different approach in my job searching, I came across the opportunity to teach English to children in China. I applied, interviewed, first job to tell me yes. After eight months of applying and being told no, it just so happened to be on the other side of the world. So it was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is what we finna do. This is what we're supposed to do. And I knew that China was going to be – it was going to change me. I was going to grow from it. And I was going to be – I was going to elevate. I knew China was going to be good for me. Um, I just didn't know what what I would be like, where I would be, you know what I'm saying, at the end of that, that uh, contract year um, that I was supposed to do <laughs> before you know, mm-hmm. and getting locked up out there. So I go to China. Get settled, living my best life, trying to by far the best experience ever. Then, boom, I get locked up. I fall on my face, get locked up, and, you know what I'm saying, then released from the jail finally and then deported from the country. And I'm back in America, and it's square, like, back in football ended all over again. All right, what's next? <laughs> what you going to do? You know what I'm saying? How are we going to bounce back from this? So it was uh, just uh, pretty much a step towards me finding myself and, finding an identity and learning more about myself in order to answer all those questions that I couldn't answer before. So now I'm in a position to where I can tell you who I am, what I do, what I do well, <laughs> what's my purpose, you know what I mean, all of that. The whole yeah. time it was just the, the purpose of the book was a step towards me just finding what was next once football came to the end. Right, yeah. And then how was it teaching in Beijing, China? Oh, it was lit. China. It was lit. It lit. You know what I'm saying? Kids are kids no matter where you go. Any face of the uh-huh. world you're in, kids are kids. <laughs> so, yes. um, but excuse me, Chancellor. Excuse me, Chancellor. What what ages were you teaching? I was teaching kids as young as three years old all the way up to 14, but mainly working with the elementary school age range uh, group. So, And okay. I really go – I'm just mainly working with, uh, like, Free kindergarten to like third grade max. That was really my bread and butter, for sure, for sure. And all our lessons okay. were pretty much games, essentially, just to keep them engaged. Yes. So, mm-hmm. but me having athletic background, I'm going to turn. I turned all my games into competitions. So we're going to see who's athletic as well as smart. So um, <laughs> we was lit in class. We was lit in class. Oh, very, very, that's so fun. <laughs> very, yeah. very. Good. And that's what. And that was another pivotal piece. Really, that's what made this trip, you know what I'm saying? Because that's what I went out there to, yes. to do, you know what I'm saying, to teach. Yeah. So that was a positive, and so that helps shape the overall experience. Yes, and then, um, thank you. And then what, uh, oh, yeah, okay, what was the the process, uh, prior, okay, how can I say this? What was the process of um the police like coming into your uh really coming to incarcerate you and what was the reason? All right, so yeah, the process was so 
It's April 4th, 2019. It's a Thursday for me. Mm-hmm. And that being said, it's, uh, it's my weekend. So my weekend was Wednesday and Thursday instead of the typical, the traditional weekend that we're all used to. So it was okay. Thursday for me, so it was pretty much my Sunday. And um, getting ready, I just woke up. I'm like, uh, <laughs> Jill Scott and woke up, made some breakfast, mm-hmm. cleaned up my place, you know what I'm saying, and got dressed. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to yeah. get ready to head to an event. But before I head to the event, I'm like, I'm pre-game first. So I'm pre-gaming in my apartment. For those mm-hmm. that don't know what pre-gaming is, say you and some friends or whatever, going to go out on a night full of festivities and fun. And before y'all embark on the night, y'all was like, hey, let's meet up at so-and-so's house first, and let's party a little bit at their house, and then we're going to go out and have, you know what I'm saying, a ball. So I'm in my apartment drinking some Chinese liquor and smoking some cannabis at my little sip of pipe. And you get done, finish getting dressed. I'm finalized, make sure I got everything before I walk out the door. Then I hear a knock at the door. Now, guests aren't unfamiliar, (laughs) so curious to see who it is. I looked through the people, and there stood three officers on the Beijing police. And instantly Mm -hmm. right there, uh, (laughs) I got sick to my stomach. Um, But this isn't – I got sick to my stomach because I wasn't expecting them to be at the door. But I still wasn't entirely too surprised because this wasn't their first time just showing up to our apartment randomly. Um, This is really Mm -hmm. the third occasion. So – I'm like, okay, okay, this is something they do uh, regularly. You know, in the first, in the first few times, mm-hmm. it was chill. Like, first time they came to check our documents to make sure that we weren't over there illegally. Uh, the second time uh, was due to some, like, safety hazard. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay. Yes. Clearly, they just make routine stops. You know what I'm saying? So yes. I put everything up, open the door, and they enter. The officer in, in front is questioning me about drugs. But I'm from Atlanta, the city of finesse. You live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So I'm sitting here acting mm-hmm. like, I don't know what he's talking about. Drugs, like trying to play the fool. Like, no, nah, bro, no, you got me confused with somebody else. Passport, you might need some passport, my boy. So go grab my passport and bring it to him to look over. And um, a few minutes pass, another officer enters the apartment, and he has something in his hand. Now... I'm not really able to make heads or tails what this is he has in his possession, nor am I really trying to put too much energy into it because I'm really just trying to figure out how am I going to finesse myself out of this situation. (laughs) So um, they pretty much communicate to me that I need to pee into this cup. So it was a drug test right there on the spot. And right then and there, I was like, oh, yeah, this is over with. (laughs) Well, I just got done smoking five minutes prior to them knocking on my door. So yeah. I do the drug test, fail the drug test, of course, and by this time it's like eight officers in the apartment, and one in particular speaks English fluently, and he's questioning me about selling the drug test and when was the last time I smoked, who I get the weed from, and you know what I'm saying, that whole nine. Like I said okay. earlier, I'm from Atlanta, the city of finesse. You live by the finesse. Mm-hmm. You die by the finesse. So me and this officer, we're going back and forth. Uh, everything he's, every question he poses to me, I'm just answering whatever is the first thing that comes to my mind. And it got to the point where I was catching myself live, so I knew he was catching me live. But I'm from Atlanta. You live yes. by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So yes. well, I'm just going back Wait, and forth trying to finesse the situation. And then yes. once he realized that I wasn't getting any information that he could work with, 
that's when he pretty much made it clear that, you know what I'm saying, the trade was up. I was caught right-handed. They knew I, I had more. So, of course, I had a, I died by the finesse. It's okay. You know what I'm saying? I lived to finesse another yeah. day. But now I hold myself accountable. Um, so, fess up to it. Um, confiscate everything. Uh, throw the cuffs on me. And then we they load me up into the police van. And from this point on, pretty much all forms of communication cease to exist <laughs> moving forward for the rest mm-hmm. of the story. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. So um, yeah. we get to one precinct there very shortly, and we get back in the van. I have no clue where we're going. We end up at another precinct, and in the second precinct, I'm housed in a holding cell, and then we do our official interrogation which is dramatic in the book because they take me to the basement of the precinct to do it and lock me into this um, all-metal chair that is yeah. – it looks like an electric chair. I described it in the book. It looked, it looked like an electric chair. It locked my shins, thighs, waist, chest, arms, all into one place. The only part of my body that I could move was my head. Um, and But by this time, I had plenty of time to come up with a good story to finesse them with. So. I gave him my story. Everything went smoothly. They released me from the chair, took me upstairs, gave my mugshot, handprint, and then threw me back in the holding cell mm-hmm. for the next couple of hours, next few hours, actually, and then finally come back and get me, take me to the lobby of the, the, the precinct and bring my best clothes, tell me to get dressed. So I'm like, hey, all right, back. You know what I'm saying? This is what happens when you comply. You work with these folks. You know what I'm saying? Good energy, good vibe about it. So I get dressed, mm-hmm. and I'm just waiting for the next set of orders. Um, they have me follow them through the door that's behind the front desk in the lobby. And as we enter through the door, now we're in the hallway. At the end of the hallway is a small room crowded with offices. So I'm following the CO mm-hmm. to this room, and as I enter through the door, all I can assume is that this is some form of evidence room, just because I see evidence bags everywhere. No sense mm-hmm. of organization or structure whatsoever. It's just clutter everywhere. Mm-hmm. But in front mm-hmm. of me is a table, and on the center of the table, everything else confiscated from my apartment. So the officer takes the weed and weighs it up right there in front of me. Now, this is the interesting phase within the book because, <laughs> one, as a reader, you're curious to know, okay, how much does he actually have on him? Two, yes. When have you ever heard of law enforcement weighing up whatever you just got caught with right up in front of you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You've never heard that. Right. At least I haven't. So that was so that was interesting, <laughs> too. And then three, yeah. most importantly, with me receiving no information whatsoever in regards to how this process is going to work, what's going to take place next, um, yes. how long I'm going to be here. Nobody knows I'm here, and I don't make contact with anybody for a full weekend. So, with me having no information in regards to how this process works and it being a language barrier, so I can't even ask for real, um, I received a lot of signs and messages from my ancestors letting me know how long I would be here in the predicament and how my release would be. Um, but this is the very first live and action sign that they sent me. Um, so they weighed the, the candidates right up in front of me, and the totals out to be 1.4 grams. Now, those that partake in cannabis, you know, 1.4 grams <laughs> isn't anything. Okay. We're talking units of measurement. 1.4 grams of anything <laughs> isn't a lot. So okay. I really have much on me. But you look at that that number, 1.4. If you remove that decimal, what number do you get? 
14. Mm. One point for mm. you lose a point. <laughs> the number is 14. Uh-huh. Hence the title of the book, 14 Days in Beijing. You know what I'm saying? Now, did I catch that initially? Absolutely not. That thing went clean over my head. But that was just one of the very first times I did receive um, letting me know how long I would be in this uh, in this situation. So they put everything on paper, have it signed, it's unprinted, and now we get back in the van. I have no clue what's going to happen next. I'm like, I've been complying. I'll work with y'all. I'm like, there's no way they're not taking me home <laughs> at this point. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning. So we just riding, riding. And about 30, 40 minutes passed, and we arrived at a facility detailed with tall walls and barbed wire. And I was like, oh, man, we just getting started. So we enter the mm-hmm. facility, um, go to the nurse's office. We do a quick physical. Um, they have me change it to my official uniform. They give me a Tupperware bowl and one plastic spoon, and they take me upstairs to cell 209. I'm 207. And mm-hmm. um, as we enter... The cell. Well, as the CEO opens the cell door, my psych is thrown at the setup of the cell and what I see initially. So, mind you, it's like 4 mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning at this point. So, uh-huh. of course, everybody's asleep. But the CEO opens the door. Instantly, I see uh, a huddle of bodies sleeping. In the book, I describe it as a, it looks like a slumber party. So, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I take a, foot, take a step into the cell. The cell is nothing but a big rectangle. I say, 15 yards in length, 10 yards in width, and that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, the beds, which are wooden bunks, pretty much start at, like, two yards from the door. Um, so, and they're wooden bunks, and they all the way, they stretch all the way to the back of the cell. I count the beds. It's nine of them in total. I count the number okay. of people in the cell, including me, it's 15 of us. So it's 15 men in this cell. We got nine beds. Well, okay, that's why it looked like a slumber party then. But mm-hmm. across from the slumber party were two Chinese inmates standing against the wall, wide awake, watching the rest of the inmates sleep. So with few people being awake at this point in time, of course, we all made contact. Now, the last thing mm-hmm. these folks expected to see come walking through this door was this brother with locks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And the last thing I expected to see was two Chinese folks watching other Chinese men sleep. So we just had this mm-hmm. awkward moment of just uh, eye contact, like, what's going on here? Um, mm-hmm. But I approached the slumber party trying to find a spot to lie down, and mm-hmm. one of the inmates taking watch wakes two people up for me, and they do. And I lie down on the bunk between two Chinese men with my, hand on my hands on my chest, staring up at the bright light on the ceiling. And that's when reality mm-hmm. fully kicked in, like, that you in here, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't we don't know what's in there happen, but you know what I'm saying? And nobody knows you are here. So um it's right. not looking too yeah. good <laughs> entirely at this point, but hey, we gotta hold yeah. ourselves accountable. Um so it is what it is yeah. in that regard, you know what I'm saying? We're gonna take this to the chin. Now moving forward, yeah. what needs to take place for us to get up out of here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking the solution. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Um, what so, are your next steps? Well, first thing yeah. first, people gotta realize you're in here. All right, well, what needs to happen in order for that? Well, you were supposed to meet friends and colleagues at that event today before you got arrested that you didn't show up to. Now, I'm sure it yeah. calls you and you didn't answer. Is that a red flag? Eh, not really, but it is weird. Now, you don't show up for your uh, 8 o'clock class, for your classes Saturday and Sunday? 
all hell is breaking loose because now they got to find somebody to cover all your classes last minute. And mm-hmm. one of the, your, your your colleagues that you was going to meet at that event the day we got arrested works at the same school as us. So when she realizes that we ain't showing up for, uh, for work and everybody calling us and we I'm still ain't answering, okay, red flag. He didn't show up to the event. We called. He answered. Now he ain't showing up for work. And can't nobody find him? Yeah. Something's wrong. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, that's one. Mm-hmm. Two, I had a girlfriend at the time. So I'm like, when I don't respond to two of her messages, you know what I'm saying? Oh, he was breaking loose again. Yeah. So I'm like, I know I'm going to have to at least sit through the weekend before I become missing on people's radar. So for now, yeah. we just, you know what I'm saying, take it one step at a time. And come Monday, yeah. you know what I'm saying, hopefully the search for me will begin then. Um and pretty much, yeah, I was locked up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 15 men to one cell, nine wooden beds, three soups a day. And literally all I had was one Tupperware bowl and one plastic spoon for 14 days. And I'm here to tell you I did 14 yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. And then um, may I ask, how did you achieve enlightenment during your creative writing process? Um, Really just. You know what I'm saying? Going through a hardship like that and yeah. turning it into a positive. You know what I mean? Right. Turning it into a positive. Now I'm educating and inspiring and teaching others and coaching others. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's through a tragedy I went through that I turned into a triumph. And now I'm just helping others because we all <laughs> face adversity. Adversity exactly. introduces a man to himself or a woman to herself. Yeah. And Never let no hard time humble you. Take what you need to take away from the situation, of course. You know what I'm saying? Learn and grow, but don't tuck your tail between your legs and walk around with your head down. And, you know what I'm saying? That ain't the end of the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Get yeah, up, right. Keep it pushing. Um, mm-hmm. Just helping people and showing people that, you know what I'm saying, we can all bounce back from, you know what I'm saying, adverse situations. You know what I'm saying? We all yeah. go through it um, and we can all teach each each one can teach one. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. somebody out there that can relate to your story, um in ways that you couldn't you probably couldn't even imagine. You know what I'm saying? You never know who could be going through what you went through or True. went through what you went through. You know what I'm saying? Or was about to go through yeah. what you went through. You know what I'm saying? So um yeah. just it's showing people that it's, it's it's power within your journey in every facet, you know what I mean? Um, so it was truly, truly an enlightening experience and, um, to put it, turn it into a project and put it out into the universe and it, man, has just received so much success. It's it's incredible. You know what I'm saying? Especially something that you own entirely. So like, that's something a lot of people of our culture don't, or will never really get to uh, experience ownership. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a lot we don't own a lot of things. We buy a lot of products that you know what I'm saying other people own, but as far as us owning our own entire thing, yeah, that's something we we don't have. <laughs> for river and not a lot of us have. Um so to have something with your name on it that you created, you put out to the universe and hey man, it's just flourishing. That's in that's a high of a lifetime. Yeah, that's a high of a lifetime for sure. Yes. And then, um, let's see. Oh, 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 okay. You really answered everything. Um, (laughs) What type of writing format 
did you select and why? It's because our, our time, I think we have like two minutes. But uh, what was the editing? Did I see that right? Yes. What was the editing process? And how long did that take? Yeah, the editing process was interesting because, um, like I said, I, my partner's like, hey, but you should write a book without experience. I'm like, okay, that's a great idea. I don't even know where to start, but that's a great idea. So I'm not going to sit here and portray this ultimate poise like I've been had everything figured out. No, I just was just, I got an idea. We took it and ran with it, and we was just learning as we going. Um, so with me graduating from college, you know what I'm saying, not even a full, like just two years after, um, and not even a full two years, it was a year after all this it took place. Um, I knew I still was connected with a lot of people, you know what I'm saying, from college, and I knew which ones in particular were excellent writers, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, let me tap in and okay. utilize my resources. <laughs> I'm going to utilize folks okay. that I, I went to school with. I, great, I got reports with already. Hey, I done wrote, wrote this book. You mind looking over it for me, you know what I'm saying? If need be, I can tell you a little something, something, show. Sure. But I utilized my resources, you know what I'm saying, and um, – had a, as many eyes look at my book as possible. You know, a lot of people okay. try to at least they at least how it was traditionally. You know, saying they always say, "Oh, you only need one editor, two max. You don't need a bunch of people look at your work." Because you know, what I'm saying it's going, yeah, all right, but hey, man, people publish books a certain type of way way back in the day. It is not that that's not the case no more. You know, what I'm saying it's uh-huh. a whole completely different ballgame in regards to publishing books. So you really can ain't no right away wrong way to go about doing this thing for real for real. Um, so yes. you do whatever you feel you know, do what you need to do to get it done. You know what I'm saying you got to utilize the resources then for sure. Um, and especially you, you trying to do it on in a cost efficient way. You trying to hire an editor a legit editor, man. That's gonna <laughs> that ain't cheap. So man, you yeah. man, you better utilize folks you know. You know what I mean? Tap in. Even with the cover, exactly. that was all yes. collaborative, all collaborative. You know what I'm saying? Finding yes. the jacket to recreate, hitting up one of my partner's girlfriends, who's an incredible fashion designer, to recreate the jacket. And then once I got the jacket recreated, now I'm just hitting up one of my partners I grew up with here in Smyrna, in Atlanta, who's a photographer yes. now. Hey, let's do a photo shoot. And now we catch mm-hmm. the cover, and I've got a bunch of additional content to use to promote the book now. You know what I'm saying? So it's just all collaborative efforts. <laughs> just working, utilizing right. my resources with those that I have around me. Beautiful. And then um, to that point, what type of support system did you have when um, you were creating your book? And also, how did they respond to what had happened to you in China? Well, I always had a huge support system. Um, but just for the longest, you know what I'm saying, people only know me to play football. That's all they, you know what I'm saying, have known me to do, pursue, or anything. Like, I don't dabbled in, in different other things, but as far as be good, being fully committed to something, football is what they knew me for. So okay. it was like I, I'm i a great spirit. I have a lot of people that, you know what I'm saying, love me and support me, but it's like I really had no other – I had nothing else going on. I had no product. And my partner kept saying, I was like, damn, bro, you love by so many people. Like, bro, if you had a product, man, you would be, you would go – it would go crazy. Like, you have that that amount of – that this large number of people that, you know what I'm saying, follow you and, you know what I'm saying, support you. Like, man, that's the only thing you're missing is a product, some type of product or service. That's the only thing you're missing. Um, so once I finally did come up with that product, and this is going to happen to be a book, 
<laughs> and then with the pandemic just now being in full effect, right around, I'm about right around the time I'm releasing the book. So folks yeah. at the crib and got a number of time on their hands. Man, it was it was dramatic. It was it was crazy. Like it, it was crazy. Um, and I knew I had was just editing fourteen days. I knew it was going to be. I was like, oh, yeah, I got something on my hand. And then was anytime I had anybody over at the house, we just chilling. I, you know, saying, pass them the laptop and tell them, hey, just read a few pages of this. Tell me what you think. I'm not telling them what it is. I just say, read it. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying, just read it. Let me yeah. know what you think. A few pages. The next thing I know, 15, 20 minutes, 25 minutes have passed, and he folks still got my laptop just thumbing through it. Coming through it, they ain't saying nothing. They just read it. I thought, oh yeah, I got me a. Pa- I know, I got something on me. I kept doing this with people. I kept doing it, so uh, and I kept getting the same response. I'm not getting a laptop back, and it's complete silence in the room. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay, these folks locked yeah. in. All right, this gonna be. I, I'm like, this gonna be crazy. This gonna go crazy. Um, and I definitely wanted to make sure the the title and the cover was captivating enough for it to pause and stop anybody in the tracks. That you know what I'm saying. Uh, whoever I it catches, you know, you're gonna stop whatever you're doing. Like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> um, and I did exactly that. And with everything, every all the, everything else playing the way it did, it was just it was just a perfect. It ended up being the perfect formula, as if I planned it all out, but I did it. <laughs> it was just yeah. the only thing I had planned. I knew I wanted to to release on April fourth, twenty uh twenty. So I got locked up on April 4th, 2019. I wanted the book to drop on April 4th, 2020, next year, the anniversary year. Okay. And it was wow. right. I wanted to best in three different genres. Yes. And also, um, once you became an author, um, how can I say this? Oh, hold on. Once you became a 15-time best-selling author on Amazon, did you feel that you had reached um, your highest point of achievement? And also, did it encourage you to want to continue to write? Um, I definitely did feel that was, I feel like that was probably the greatest achievement. Um, yes. And I want to say congratulations, my... too. Congratulations to you. That. That's really awesome. Okay, you're, I appreciate so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I did want to tell you. Nah, you good. It's been a journey. <laughs> it's been a journey, man. So, uh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like I said, so how did it, how did it make university. you feel? Um, powerful. Like, okay, I am yeah. powerful. Uh, you know what I'm saying? My opinion matters. My voice matters. Um, yeah. Like, I can contribute to this world. I feel like a lot of people right. don't feel like they can yeah. contribute to the world. So they just, you know what I'm saying, exist instead of live. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. They feel like they don't they yeah. don't know their power. You know what I mean? So um, just coming face-to-face with that is like, okay. We, I, I came face-to-face with it before, but to this degree, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. This was a, I feel like 14 Days was pretty much a foreshadow for what's to come. Okay. Everything we go through is preparation for what's in store. So I feel like this is just me scratching the surface, honestly. Excellent. And then I only have two more questions left, one of which is what is your favorite coffee or hot beverage, and how does it make you feel? 
Um, I say hot beverage. Yes. It has to be it's tea. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, it has to be it's tea. tea. Tea? Tea. It, okay. Yeah, it, it don't matter what tea. I know what kind. In China, it don't matter any type of tea. In okay, China, that, they tea. drink tea safely, religiously. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, different. They, it's really they just take whatever herbs raw or the herb itself and throw it in hot water and drink it plain. Yes. There ain't no tea bags and none of that. No, whatever the actual herb is, they just throw it in hot water. And, you know what I mean? That's yes. how they just, that's their tea in China. And everybody named mama drink tea. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And if right. they drink tea, they drink in hot water. So um, I say it has to be that. I'm not really much of a coffee drinker. I try coffee. Mm-hmm. Back in 2016, at work one day, and that coffee ran through me immediately before I can finish the cup. Um, so I was like, "Yeah, I ain't, I ain't fooling with this no more." Um, but yeah, tea me for sure. <laughs> okay, for wonderful. Sure. And so then I just want to um, just read off some of your um, reviews uh, on Amazon. So one from Ken was. I found myself really visualizing the situation that Chance was going through. Really great storytelling. The short story had me laughing out loud at times, yet also concern, concerning and wanting to know the outcome. I love this short story for many reasons, but also can tell that the author into a spiritual aspect of life that I really appreciate him calling out. Looking forward to book two. Okay, and then I'm going to do uh, read one more. Uh, by Tiffany, she said, The story pulls you in from the very beginning. You can tell this has to be based off of a true story as the description is so pure and lifelike. It follows a man going to prison because of a drug charge in China and looks to take a turn for the worse. I could see this as a motion picture. There's more books in the series, and I'm excited to read the next. This is a must-read. My recommendation, buy it. It's worth it. Okay, so um, I just wanted to read those. You have so many positive um five-star uh, uh, reviews. And um, I just really want to thank you, Chancellor, for taking the time to come on my show and talk about your book and your experience. And I really appreciate you. Um, did you did you want to do any shout-outs um, as it pertains to your social media feeds? And I did want you to know that I did put your um link to your website in the description for the show as well. To the show. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh I just wanna say um y'all can follow me on any social media platform except TikTok. I ain't on there just yet. But you can find me on everything else. Um uh-huh. just, uh Google me, Google Chancellor K Jackson. You'll find everything you need to know. Um you'll find my website, other interviews I've done, um Get your copies of 14 Days in Beijing, You Love, You Learn, and Real Love Never Dies, available on Amazon, as well as my website, ChancellorKJackson.com. You can also listen to the audiobook for 14 Days, available on SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts and Anchor, and I'm narrating it, so it's a vibe. Y'all gonna enjoy that. Um, yeah, any inspiring? I enjoyed it. Anybody, anybody that has an idea or a concept for a story, but don't know how to go about putting it on paper, or have written a whole story but don't know how to go about publishing it, tap in with your boy or visit transferkjackson.com, and we can set up a free thirty-minute consultation and discuss everything and try to see if we can match something out and work together. Um, so y'all can tap in with me on that. And uh just want to leave y'all with a message, and the message is from Nipsey Hussle. And for those that don't know who Nipsey Hussle was, he was a serial entrepreneur, but well-known for his music and his clothes. But um, the message goes long-winded, running through this life like it was mine. Never settling, but setting every goal high. 1,000 burpees on the path to my own self-destruction or success. But what's a mistake without the lesson? You see, the best teacher in life is your own experience. And none of us know who we are until we fail. They say every person is defined by their reaction to any given situation. Well, who would you want to define you? Someone else or yourself? Whatever you choose to do, homie, do your heart to it. Stay strong. Okay, and thank you so much. On that note, we're going to close out this show. Thank you so much, Chancellor. That was beautiful. I appreciate you. (laughs) 